the thing with pricing that I find a lot of people miss out is they're not charging enough to cover the cost of running a business. So they don't take into account all the time and money they spend on running their business, not just being in the kitchen making the cakes or in the studio, you know, make, getting the flowers, whatever all the, the different things they do, but all that behind the scenes stuff. I'm Becca Poutney, wedding business marketing expert, speaker and blogger, and you're listening to the Wedding Pros Who Are Ready To Grow podcast. I'm here to share with you actionable tips, strategies and real life examples to help you take your wedding business to the next level. If you are an ambitious wedding business owner that wants to take your passion and use it to build a profitable, sustainable business doing what you love, then you're in the right place. Let's get going with today's episode. Today, I'm chatting with Lauren Smy. Lauren is the founder of the Honeybee Wedding Cake Company, where she's created luxury wedding cakes, which are elegant and beautiful. Her work has been featured in many publications, including a regular column in Cake and Sugar Craft magazine. In more recent years, I've got to know Lauren as she started helping other cake makers to grow their businesses through her training and membership. And I've been in there regularly as a guest trainer. It's a pleasure to have Lauren on the podcast today, and I'm really looking forward to delving into her story and to hear what's coming up next for her. Lauren, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Becca. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. It's such a pleasure. I always enjoy chatting with you, working with you, and I can't believe it's taken me so long to get you on the podcast. So thank you for being here today. Now, I always like with these episodes to take people right back to the start, because I think it's important for people listening to understand the different journeys that different people have gone on to get to where they are today. So Lauren, take us back to the start. How did you end up making wedding cakes for a living? Okay, so I started making cakes for friends and things in back in 2014 when I was on maternity leave with twin boys. Because obviously that's the time when you start to to create a business, isn't it, when you've got twin babies at home. But, you know, <laughs> I saw an opportunity. I was teaching at the time. I was a teacher at A-levels and I was on maternity leave, as I said, and I just kind of thought I wasn't sure if I wanted to go back to teaching after the maternity leave or if I did I didn't want it to be full time anymore. It just kind of wasn't something that I was I was loving as much as I was. So I started kind of experimenting and making cakes. And then by 2015, when I was back at work two days a week, I set up what was called Honeybee Bakes at the time. I did you know cupcakes and brownies and all sorts of different things and selling them kind of as a side hustle, but as a proper business, not you know like a hobby baker. I, I set it all up properly and you know and and started getting lots of orders for that. Obviously, I kind of then I had the twins at home on my days off, as it were. So I was working around that. But it, it took off, you know, quite quickly, really. And by, you know, two years later, I managed to leave my teaching job and work full time in inverted commas. Again, the, the boys are still at home. So kind of around them. But yeah, so I start, I kind of was full time cake maker in 2017. And then the boys, when the, once the boys started school, I was able to kind of, you know, go a bit quicker with it. And by the end, you know, 2018, I was just making wedding cakes. I'd been asked to do a few and, you know, I just got my confidence up, did a few for friends and family and then just, you know, went with it and started going to wedding fairs and doing things like that and realised actually that's what I really, really loved. And if I was going to make it a, a proper full-time income, weddings kind of was where it was for for the, you know, financial reasons, honestly, but also it was what I enjoyed doing. I love making sugar flowers and, and that kind of thing. And I just, I was a bit sick of the 
the Spider-Man and Paw Patrol and that kind of thing. So, yeah, so then that's when I rebranded and became the Honeybee Wedding Cake Company and, and went into making wedding cakes. It's quite a big leap, isn't it? For anyone listening who knows anything about baking, I am terrible at baking. Let's just put that out there. <laughs> but to go from making a brownie or a cupcake to providing a full, beautiful cake with sugar flowers on for someone's wedding is quite the leap. And I see a lot of people in cakes who just don't feel like they've got the confidence to do that. They feel like it's too much pressure. So how did you know that you could make that leap, that you had the, the ability to do it? I wouldn't say I knew. I, I think I just, I did take a leap. You know, there there was a, a leap of faith. Some some would call it crazy, but it was, I I did, I worked for a long time doing the birthday cakes. I didn't particularly enjoy it before I started taking on proper wedding cakes because, you know, let's face it, a wedding cake is a, a, hopefully a once in a lifetime thing. It, it needs to be, a, a, you know, a higher standard, doesn't it? So I did make sure I kind of worked. I went, I did courses and I, I'm, you know, perfected my sharp edges and all the things that the, the cake makers listening will, will know about. Yeah, and when I'm flour, sugar flour. I'd never made a sugar flour, you know, in any any form prior to, to when I started doing this. But, yeah, I went on courses and I learned. I did some online courses, did some face-to-face courses, and I just learned. And to a certain degree, I guess there are some things that are a natural skill that's easier for some people to pick up than other things you know, but yeah, for me, it just kind of fit. And I, and I, I realised, I just realised how much I loved it. And I loved that, that buzz of being there on the day. And yeah, there's like major nerves and conf- you know, crises of confidence of like, oh, can I really do this? And, and not everything goes 100% to plan, you know, I had a few, you know, issues in the early days but you learn from them and you and you you move on with it and that's just what I did and I think a lot of people I see particularly cake makers and florists if I'm being generalist are such perfectionists and so I can see a cake that someone's made and they'll say oh I'm not sure this is good enough to be at a wedding and I just think that's the most incredible thing I've ever seen and you should see a cake that I made yeah yeah I mean and that's what I have to tell a lot of you know I, I, I work with cake makers now and and a lot of them have that exact that same thought and I, and I must admit I do myself it's easy to tell other people but yeah you you see all the flaws you see all the tiny little things that other people just look as you say look at it and say wow that's just amazing but you can see that tiny little kind of dent in the back of it or or where you didn't quite line up the ribbon perfectly so yeah yeah that does happen definitely now people might be listening and thinking, well, you make that sound so easy, Lauren, that you were just doing celebration cakes and then you were doing wedding cakes. But actually, I'm sure there was some hard work involved in that transition. So if there are people listening who are thinking, right, I do actually want to dip my toe into doing this wedding industry thing. How did you go about finding your first clients that weren't friends and family? Where did you find them from? Well, going way back, I think when I started out, Instagram was a thing, but wasn't as big as it is now more recently more of my work has come from Instagram on my website but when I started a lot of it was from Facebook which yeah there was a real transition actually in where my where my orders came from from when I started out I kind of joined local mums groups I think one of my first ones was someone who I'd done a christening cake for and she was then getting married you know the year later so there, there is that can kind of come from there. But she then posted on our like local, you know, you get the local mum's Facebook groups of, of where you live. And she just put a really lovely review on there because I'd sold, she knew I was new to it. She knew that I wasn't, you know, hadn't done it very long, but she kind of took took the, you know, leap in me. 
and um yeah and put a really nice review on there so I got a few orders from there which was great and also just like a little bit of word of mouth the girl who you know the girl who did my nails <laughs> she had a lot of similar you know when I look back now for what I know and, and what I teach as well it's like that similar ideal client thing where you know kind of women of a, of a certain age they're like looking to get married and I'm always made cakes for her and so she kind of recommended me to some of her clients. And so there's a lot of word of mouth, actually, in the in the early days, definitely. Yeah. And I think word of mouth in the wedding industry is just huge. I think we underestimate yeah. it. I talk about it a lot in what I teach, saying, you know, word of mouth marketing is the lowest cost form of advertising you can do. Yeah. And yet it has the highest conversion Absolutely. rate. Yeah, yeah. And 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 I mean, I know you talk a lot, you, you're the expertise with with networking but definitely you know very early on I went to a wedding fair and naturally I'm I'm quite introverted and quite shy I'm not really very good at that kind of putting myself out there it does make me nervous but for whatever reason I kind of managed to just just get on with it and do it and think of you know the benefits of doing it um and I went to this one wedding fair and I just made sure I took extra samples and took it around to all the uh, other suppliers there and made friends because it's really easy to make friends when you've got cake in your hand um <laughs> I always say that to people you know we're very lucky it's, it's not a bribe to be my friend but you know it does help them remember you and yeah, and then there was a there was a lady there who ran a bridal shop and she kind of took me under her wing a little bit and introduced me to other people. And then, you know, we would recommend each other. And yeah, it kind of snowballed from there. So definitely that word of mouth and, and networking with other suppliers is, is the way to go when you're starting out. Yeah, the cake makers are always the most popular people at a wedding show as well, for both the suppliers <laughs> and the guests. I always used to, when I had my videography business, I used to hate it if I got given a stand next to a cake maker because the cakes would have all these people there that were there for the free cakes and then trying to get them over to you to talk about wedding videos when you've got no free cake to give them is really kind of difficult. So Lauren, in more recent years, you've transitioned a little bit into helping other cake makers. As I mentioned in the intro, that's kind of the area where I've got to know you best. I love coming into your community of all those cake makers who are just so happy to be there and you just lift them up and give them the confidence to do this transition and to believe in themselves. What was it that made you kind of make that step into just going from making the cakes to helping other people with their businesses? There's a couple of things. So I, I loved doing what I was doing with the wedding cakes and I continued that for a long time. And that there was no kind of, oh, I don't want to do this. I want to do something else. But there was always this, some, this part of me that felt like I wanted to do something as well as just making cakes you know you know what it's like it is quite lonely kind of especially when you're you know making cakes you you don't even get a lot of that interaction on the day you turn up and you deliver the cake and you go home it's nice kind of talking to your couples but a lot of the time you're you're on your own so there was that little bit of solitude that that I you know wasn't wasn't you know the best but I I had a lot of people asking, I know it sounds kind of cheesy and this is what a lot of people say when they're going to, but I did have a lot of people asking me questions about how I did things and asking for my help on things and I'm, you know, more than happy to do that. And then you kind of start to realise actually there's there's a need out there. So I did a business, not, not that I know that it made a huge difference, but I did do a business management degree and there's a lot of things that I kind of learned in that. And obviously I set up my own business in the same way that other people do. I was a teacher, when I was a teacher I taught business studies so the kind of background of what I what I had in my, you know, previous experience linked together with actually setting up and quite quickly growing, you know, a really successful wedding cake business felt like it 
it worked that perhaps I should be doing something of helping people to make cakes. I didn't really want to do decorating skills because a lot of people out there and there's a lot of people that do it really, really well online and face to face. I did do a few, you know, classes in my in my kitchen, but I didn't really have the space and I didn't have the setup for all the, you know, the, the video recording of it all. My kind of passion behind it was the business. And I'd see so many people, so many immensely talented cake makers that were selling themselves so short and they they just weren't charging enough generally is the is the main thing but not having the confidence like you said your confidence is a huge thing and I just kind of thought this you know I've always been that believer in you know community and I just think there were lots of people out there that needed just a little bit of of, of help to do it so yeah, so I started kind of learning about how to set up, you know, on, an online business towards the end of 2019 with the plans. 2020 was actually completely fully booked with wedding cakes for me. It was my like biggest, <laughs> yeah, everyone listening knows the 2020, we know what happened there. Um, it was going to be my biggest year. I was, I was like preferred supplier at some of the really big venues. It was all, all going really well. So I thought, well, once I got through that wedding season, then I'll kind of start with this new business. But obviously we all know what happened in March 2020. All the weddings kind of got cancelled. And in some, you know, if you're going to take a positive from it, it gave me that opportunity to to make the, the switch. So it was something that I'd been thinking a long time about how easily it would have been to get it off the ground while working full time doing the wedding cake business. You know, I don't know. So that there were some benefits to me for that for the pandemic happening and it just meant that I could just get going with it and it meant there were a lot of people that kind of saw this now as an opportunity they were on furlough or whatever else was happening and they could see that as a chance to to get their their wedding cake or their cake business you know transitioning over into wedding cakes because that's what I I kind of really specialize in is the wedding side of things rather than just cake businesses and as I said you've created a lovely space I always love coming in it's I always think of your group as a really warm fuzzy lovely environment the people in it are just I just think the cake makers are always lovely not just because they have cake but they are they are a wonderful group of people now you work with a lot of cake makers and there will be cake makers listening as well as other supplier types what are some of the common mistakes that you see people making in your community when it comes to their wedding cake business so as I mentioned already, I think pricing tends, tends to be the biggest one. And pricing is so much more complex than just, you know, you're not charging enough, charge more, because underlying it generally becomes confidence. And it's about that kind of worry that if you don't, you know, if you're not cheap enough, then people won't buy from you. And if you put your prices up too much, you're not going to get the work and that kind of thing. Um, but but also just at the basic level, a lot of people don't actually just work out their costs and and that they kind of almost pluck a number out, not out of thin air necessarily, but they don't necessarily, they haven't thought about it fully in terms of their costs and their time. And people might, perhaps they have, perhaps they've thought about their costs and they're like, right, okay, I'm covering how much it costs me to make the cake, plus I'm giving myself an extra tenner or something like that. And it's it's not taking into account their time. And also, you know, majority of people, even if they've got as far as that and accounted for their time, and even if they've accounted for profit on top, the thing with pricing that I find a lot of people miss out is they're not charging enough to cover the cost of running a business. So they don't take into account all the time and money they spend on running their business, not just being in the kitchen making the cakes or in the studio, you know, make, getting the flowers, whatever all the, the different things they do, but all that behind the scenes stuff. I think it was a surprise for me, actually, when I started running my business. I thought, I'll make cakes. And I thought, actually, I realised I spend probably more time at my laptop 
up, you know, running my business, getting a website set up, you know, doing the accounts, all the boring stuff. Sorry, accountants. Um, but yeah, doing all of that stuff and all the marketing as I did actually sort of standing in the kitchen baking the cakes. And people don't account for that. That's the biggest thing I think that people don't account for when they when they're pricing their products and services. And I think as well, people have their head in the sand. I'm sure you see this all the time where deep down they know that they're not charging enough and they know that they're not making any money, but they kind of bury that. And actually, when we pull the numbers out of them and get the cold, hard facts on paper and show them, this is how much you're spending on your business. This is how much you're charging for a cake. And this is how much you're earning an hour. And it's like one pound an hour or something. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're really shocked. And so I would encourage, and I'm sure Lauren would as well, if you're listening to this and you are in that position where you've got your head in the sand, like be brave, go to a coffee shop, like get your laptop out and work out your numbers because sometimes the shock realization of how little you're earning will make you realize, actually, this isn't about, I need to be amazing to put my prices up. Actually, I just need to put my prices up because right now I'm the worst boss in the world and I'm paying myself nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Less than minimum wage. You might as well go and work, you know, in a supermarket or something. The other thing I see cake makers having an issue with sometimes, and I'd love a bit of input from you on this, is photography. Okay. Now I actually have a talk that I've been doing recently on stage mm. where I show two pictures. They're both amazing wedding cakes, but one is just a phone photo they've taken at a wedding. And one is like this beautiful professional photo. And they're both like on their Instagrams. And I say to people, you know, which one do you think costs more? Which one do you think you're more likely to book? Because both the cakes are amazing, but the way they're presented online is so different. And I often see that cake makers either have really bad images or they just don't really know how to get good images. And I think it makes a massive difference to how much they can charge and how much their inquiries are going to come in. What's your advice to cake makers when it comes to getting photography of their product? I think you're absolutely spot on. It makes a huge difference, doesn't it, of what you're showing your, your potential clients, what you can do. I think it can be hard sometimes because yeah, that's not your. If that's not your skill set, you, you're not necessarily good at doing doing photography. I would say it's something that is is worth learning to a, to as you know much of a degree as you can. Phones nowadays are, are great. You can get some really good settings. Learn how the settings. You don't necessarily need to have a professional you know camera, but also think about if you know the venue. I think sometimes the lighting and that kind of thing. If you're in a marquee, that's always the worst for me. Taking pictures of cakes in a marquee always just the the, the, the colours just go completely wrong and the lighting's really wrong. You know, if you can, if you can take a picture of the cake at home, if you've got a setup at home, try and do that in a, in a really nice way, really. But also make friends with the photographers and be nice to them. I know it's hard. I know that you'll probably have some photographers listening and I know it can be frustrating when you're asked for, for pictures from, you know, other suppliers, but it makes such a, such a difference. And if you can get the pictures of, you know, the, the cake cutting pictures, all of those are, are, are so, so valuable so I'd say, you know, be be friendly, send cake maybe, <laughs> ask the professionals. But yeah, yeah, just be, be really mindful of getting, you know, the best quality pictures that you can. And it works in the photographer's favour, really, because as long as we're crediting them and giving them a shout out and recommending them and all of those things, actually, it's a missed opportunity for a photographer not to take those photos and not to send them to the cake maker, because actually, that's additional advertising for them. And I'm sure the photographers listening to this probably do do that, but I know that there there is a struggle. Not everyone has that mindset. So find the ones that are, have got the same, you know, positive mindset as you when it comes to this collaboration stuff. Now, Lauren, I've 
I've been watching your journey and working alongside you over the last couple of years. And I know that you've been going through some stuff personally, and you're actually making some transitions in your own business. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about what's coming next for you and kind of how you've got to that point. Sure. Yeah. So I've been working for the last, say, four or so years exclusively with cake makers, doing business coaching for cake makers. Um, And that's been I've got a, a course that I run, um, a membership, and then I've been working one-to-one with with people just, you know, specifically on their thing. And then last, well, over, I'm trying to think of what the, the best order for it is. Lots of things kind of happened at the same time. About 18 months ago, my son was diagnosed with ADHD. And through his diagnosis, kind of long story short, I realised that I had ADHD and I'd been managing with it and I'd been kind of doing running I think you know to be honest I think running a wedding business with ADHD is is can be a good thing like I think it's a good career for people with ADHD so there was lots of lots of positives you know in terms of like my creativity generally people with ADHD tend to be more creative and there's all the kind of you know the other strengths that you be resourceful and more determined and all of that kind of thing so running your own business but there are things that I you know was realizing that that can make it more of a struggle in terms of you know like executive functioning skills they call it but planning the goal setting the kind of strategizing and 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 all of that you come up with lots and lots of ideas and you have loads of things that you want to do but actually kind of implementing them can be harder and yeah and then I worked with an ADHD coach myself and I did a, a coaching qualification so that I'm kind of accredited and I'm now, I've realised also that some of the one-to-one people that I, the cake makers that I, were working, I was working with had ADHD and they realised, some of them already knew, some of them, as we were kind of in our discussions, realised that they had it. And it just kind of felt like a natural thing that actually a lot of the people that I was working with had ADHD. And I'm now starting to sort of branch out and work with other business owners um, with ADHD, not just cake makers. So I've still got the, the membership and everything is still running with the cake makers. But I'm also kind of, yeah, opening up to working with other entrepreneurs that have ADHD and helping them with those kind of challenges. So you worked it out from going through your son's diagnosis. So did you decide to have a formal diagnosis yourself? Did you just self-diagnose? Where did that, what happened? I did go for a formal diagnosis myself that, that for me I'm, I'm not I've got no judgment on anyone the way that they do it for me it was important to have that formal diagnosis I think a lot of it was because I wanted to be sure I wanted to kind of I I didn't want to kind of constantly question have I got ADHD or am I just kind of making excuses for myself which is something that 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 you know a lot of people with ADHD do you kind of almost gaslight yourself into like you know have I have I just made it up if you feel, you know, really confident in, in in definitely all of these things kind of make sense to you and you don't need a diagnosis, then that's that's hundred percent up to you. But for me it felt like it it yeah, it gave me that confidence in in knowing that that's what you know, made my brain the way it was and that that's you know, that was me and helped me kind of probably helped me ask for the support that I needed and and, and get get some some additional support. And you said you then went on to work with an ADHD coach yourself. Were there certain strategies? What was it about that experience that's helped you in your own business? So there's lots of things. There's it's it's hard because in terms of strategies, 
yeah, certainly she's she helped me with that. And I and I figured out, I mean, a lot of coaching is actually kind of helping you figure out your own things rather than someone telling you. So I know there's, you know, coaching versus mentoring is quite a different thing. But it, it, it was that, yeah, working out what works well for me in terms of, you know, sometimes it's just practical things like breaking tasks down into smaller chunks. It's, it you know, tools that you can use, um, you know, the calendars, the, the type of, yeah, like there's, there's a program called Notion. If anyone's heard of that, but it's a really good place to kind of put all of your it's a bit of a brain dump for everything that's going on in your head and plan and organize out things because that's one of the big challenges is organizational you know managing to to keep everything in place and also working memory is a challenge so things like that to put in place but one of the other things or like the main thing I think that's been really valuable for me and that I'm finding is work you know really good for people that I'm working with is just that kind of self-compassion the and the awareness around knowing what it is that makes things perhaps sometimes a little bit more difficult, sometimes makes things easier and, and you know, it, it works better for you because of your brain. But that that awareness of what's going on for you and understanding and acceptance, really. Um, and so there's kind of, it's like almost a, a two-pronged approach of what are the things that I find difficult and what things practically can I put in place to try and improve that? But also knowing, yes, this is a bit harder for me, not using that as an excuse. I very much, I don't kind of believe that we, you know, oh, I've got ADHD, so I can't do it. It's okay. I do find this difficult and I find that really frustrating that I find it difficult, but it is the way it is, you know, and that's, that's quite a big kind of thing to, it, it's hard to, to do that, but to accept that actually, yeah, this is hard. So I need to do it differently. And I perhaps do need to, you know, find, you know, it might take me longer to find the way that works for me. It might be that, this does take longer for me than it than it might do if I didn't have this condition. So I need to leave myself more space for it. So yeah, a lot of that, I think that's the biggest thing for me is that kind of, yeah, being kinder to myself. And I think that's, that's I mean, I, I think that's important to anybody, regardless of any kind of, <laughs> you know, neurodiversity or anything, like we should all be kinder to ourselves and all give ourselves a bit more of a break, you know. Yeah, I totally agree with everything you say. And I think whether or not we identify as neurodivergent, actually, no one size fits all for any of us. We all need to be kinder to ourselves. We all need to find our own strategies and ways of doing business. Now, you talked about taking a qualification. You've talked about your next steps and how you're now hoping to coach and help other people in the way that your coach helped you. What are your big dreams and desires? Where do you want to see yourself going over the next few years? Okay, yeah, so that's a, a big question. I think for me, at the moment, I'm kind of quite happy seeing where it's going. I'm enjoying, I've just started working with people one-to-one -one with ADHD and helping them in their business and their lives in general, but particularly with entrepreneurs, with the struggles that they face running a business with ADHD. So the one-to-one -one work I'm really, really enjoying. My plans for the future are to do perhaps a, a, some group program or probably a membership something like that because I think community is really really important that one-to-one -one bespoke support I think is really really important as well but also that kind of being around other people who get it who understand you know and, and the good and the and the sort of more challenging aspects of it so that's my kind of plan for the future. 
I think it's really interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing where you go with it next. And I think you're a great example of how our businesses and our lives is an evolution. And we we can do one thing and then it changes and then it moves and then it transitions. And I think that's the same for all of us. We can be fluid in our lives and our businesses. And I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with you next, Lauren. Now, I always end the podcast with the same question, which I'm going to put to you now, which is what's one thing you wish you'd known sooner in your own wedding business? It's a great question and it's very hard to, to nail it down to just one. But I think probably for me, it would be knowing that you don't have to do it all yourself. And whether that's, you know, in terms of outsourcing things that are not your forte or more perhaps working, you know, working with a coach or joining a membership, you know, like yours or mine, where, where there are other people and, and someone that's kind of trodden that path or someone that you can just ask for a bit of advice from and support from. You don't have to kind of figure it all out by yourself. And I did a lot of that. And it's lonely, you know, and it's and it's hard. And sometimes just kind of having having some people to to kind of lean on is good. So that would be my advice. Absolutely, totally agree with you. Lauren, if people want to find out more about your Kate community or about your ADHD coaching, where are the best places for them to find you? So I've got two separate websites for the, the cake makers. If you head to laurengracecakecoach.com and then for anyone else who's thinking about working with someone for their ADHD, it's laurensmy.co.uk and all the information of how you can work with me is on, on those websites. Fabulous. I'll make sure that I put all of the links in the show notes. Lauren, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you for being so open and honest and chatting with us today. And I'll see you very soon. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Hope you enjoyed that episode with Lauren as much as I did. I love hearing people's stories. I love hearing people's journeys. And I think it's an important reminder to all of us that we don't have to stay still. What we're doing now doesn't have to be the same as what we're doing next year. But it's important that we follow our passions, we think about what we care about, and we move our business forward. I'll see you again next time. 